and welcome back to episode 141 of the Weekly Tech Wrap with me, Jay. And me, Carl. Ah, oh, so we are back on our regular scheduled programming thanks to the the COVID <laughs> delay after the other week. Uh, so catching up from where we were last week in episode 141, we've got a bit of a different mix up this week, haven't we, of uh, stories? Um, we we're going to talk a bit more about um, surveillance bills and encryption. We're going to talk about meta. We're going to talk a little bit more about Kevin Mitnick. Nick, I always pronounce that badly. Um, yeah, because yeah, I think, you know, as we mentioned last week, he passed away. I think, you know, wanted to talk a bit more about what made him famous for those that maybe are younger listeners who perhaps don't know who he is or have heard of him. Um, there was a lot of rumor and hearsay wasn't around what he could do and his skills versus the reality of him. Not to take anything away, but I guess some of the more outlandish rumors, should we say, wasn't it? Yes. Um, We've got uh, we've got Tesla's reply on its auto autopilot questions, which is uh, has come and gone with the deadline with the uh, National Highways and Transportation Safety Agency in the US. Well, it's going to cost them money. Um, we're going to talk Elon Musk and how he feels that he's got the ear of Tim Cook. <laughs> uh, right. And we're going to talk NSO spyware and the tech rat rumor mill is back again. God, it's, you know August is supposed to be a light month, but you know we've got some <laughs> big stories some here, hard hitting stories. We have. Let's kick off then with the first one, which uh, is is about Apple and its views on the latest, uh, well, what's called the UK Surveillance Bill, which is the Investigatory Powers Act yeah. 2016. Um, or this an is not to it, or an update say. to it. And just to be clear, this is not the UK's online safety bill, which also has been up in the news recently <laughs> around its encryption, yeah. because they've got very similar, I guess, have. concerns, haven't they? They have indeed. Uh... So I think the main the main update or takeaway from the you know, the the Investigatory Powers Act or IPA is that it basically wants meshing services to clear security features with the Home Office before releasing them to customers. Uh, so basically, the outlets the Home Office demands security features are disabled without telling the public. Uh, and, you know, and under this update, people like Apple, Google, WhatsApp, Signal would have to do it immediately if the Home Office decide that they don't like this security feature. I just. To me, this is this is this is getting very close to now, Big Brother, isn't it? Nineteen eighty-four style, um, you know. Sense. I mean, just to be clear, so the investigatory, the investigatory, oh, I can't even say the word, investigatory powers act, powers act twenty sixteen. Thank you, uh, which was nicknamed the Snoopers Charter, wasn't it? Came into yes. uh, came into being on the 29th of November twenty sixteen. So it's been been around for a little bit of various, and it's been there. Yeah. So pretty much for the end of twenty sixteen, it came in. Um, and it has, you know, some key areas. And at the moment, right, you know, some of the key things that it can do is it means that um, communication service providers, so think of it, your ISPs and all that, um, can retain British users' internet connection records, i.e. Yeah. where you went, uh, but not what you technically saw and not the full browsing history for one year. It means that uh, certain police, intelligence officers and other government departments can see those records as part of a filtered investigation without a warrant. It also allows the police and intelligence agencies to carry out targeted equipment interference, i.e. hacking into computers or devices to access their data, and bulk equipment interference for national security matters related to foreign investigations. And then it also goes on to talk about uh, that it allows... Um, uh, main, it allows uh, an existing requirement on UK uh, CSPs uh, to have the ability to remove encryption applied by that CSP, but mm. foreign companies were not required to remove encryption. Well, the mm. current 
But this currently say the update goes further, doesn't it? As you say, with this piece now around, basically giving the government a backdoor into security features effectively, isn't it? Yeah, and all without telling anyone. Because, I mean, the, the, the current process, obviously this new one isn't in place yet. It's still up for discussion. Basically, you know, there was a, basically a right to review. There could be an independent outside process. Tech companies could appeal before any action was taken. But this new one basically knocks that all on the head. And if the Home Office is saying, yeah, we want you to put a backdoor or turn off end-to-end encryption on iMessage, for example, then you just kind of have to do that immediately. I just... Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, I mean it, Apple it, it, isn't happy, are they, about this? A- Apple have voiced their con- concern, maybe would be the word, along with you know WhatsApp and Signal and the other people. And they, they've written a nine-page letter basically opposing this. Uh, and they're saying, you know, have to tell the Home Office of any changes to product security features before they are released. Uh, they, you know, they object to that. They object to the requirement for non-UK-based companies to, to comply. And that haven't taken immediately. And you know, they've kind of gone to say, you know, it would not make changes. Well, it's not going to make changes to security features specifically for one country. That would weaken product for all users, which is something we hear quite a lot of. You know, some changes would require issuing a software update so it could not be made secretly. I mean, how are they going to secretly force you to update your phone without telling you it's there? Well, um, that, that's like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's counterintuitive to everything Apple does already. And as you say, WhatsApp and Signal um, are against it. They're also against it because there's also the ability for the technology to scan for uh, CSAM, is it child sexual abuse material, uh, yeah. in encrypted messaging as well. And it's like, so you're right, that you know, all three of these companies have pretty much said as well they'll walk away from the UK, won't they? We just won't do business in the UK, yeah. I mean, and even I think the article we, we've referenced, there was a. A snippet by uh, Professor Alan Woodward from Surrey University, so you know about technology companies, you know, saying that unlikely to sit proposals. And I think it, it sums it up really. Says there's a degree of arrogance and ignorance from the government if they believe some of the larger tech companies will comply with this new requirement without a major fight. And I say, I think you're right. If they keep pushing this, they're just going to walk away from the UK. But this is the bit I don't get, though, and I think we talked about this before, is I can't see these government ministers and everybody else who are using their iPhones and services, uh, WhatsApp particularly. We know how much the UK yep. government loves WhatsApp. They do. Um, all of a sudden, it, they're not going to have it. And it's like, oh, well, I didn't think they'd really pull away from the UK. Well, no, actually, this is the point, isn't it? You know, I think this is the whole thing. This isn't a knee-jerk reaction. This is a common-sense reaction to yep. what these powers could do. Now, I'm not suggesting that you know the powers are without without merit and when you look at when you look at the you know the the authorities that can access you know your connection records um there's quite a lot of you know quite a lot of uh, police services there uh you know there's quite yeah. a lot of intelligence services there you know and there's a balance between intrusive power and mass surveillance here isn't there really there is and, and i think we're getting and, to mass surveillance <laughs> well yeah and i think that's the case and if you start saying to the government right well you know, or this new service, well, actually, we're going to turn it off then. Or, you know, you can't run that in the UK uh, and you can't tell your users either. Well, that doesn't really work with any of the business models of these companies where they talk about the services and features before they launch them, isn't it? You know. Exactly. Uh, and, of course, the government's still towing the line, you know, this, this is to protect the public from criminals, child sex abuse, oh, and terrorists. Uh, think of the children. Um, but, you know, they have said, you know, the legislation is under review, just sure it can be as strong as it can be. And this is part of the consultation process. You know, no decisions have been made. Yeah, I just... (laughs) As someone who lives in the UK, it's infuriating. It is infuriating because for me, for me, it seems... um, It seems 
counterintuitive to what you want out of a, you know a government that wants to protect you and also the companies that you are trusting with your privacy uh, as well because now there's no faith at all or trust in that you know that your messages and that are are safe now i know the old argument well if you've got nothing to fear you've got nothing to hide you've got nothing to fear of you well come off it that's the most you uh, know that's just ridiculous statement I, I i don't want you know the fact is i should i should be uh, be able to um you know be innocent of proving guilty i guess argument here is it and be able to have what i want uh, in terms of messaging and services um you know if i'm not using it yes we know that criminals and other entities particularly fond of some of these application services you know there's that whole takedown or was it the uh, chrono chat wasn't it you know a little you know last year yeah that secure messaging platform but that's very different to you know people using whatsapp you know you, yeah i mean those, those people that say you know nothing to fear them to hide it's great put all your banker details online put all your emails your private communication online um, you've got nothing to hide nothing to worry about guarantee 100 percent they won't exactly and um, you know it's I, not that you've got anything to hide you just don't want that stuff public exactly exactly the same way as you wouldn't go out and leave your bank details on the street yeah oh yeah but i live in a really safe street yeah i'm sure you do but you know until you don't <laughs> until you don't exactly exactly the point um i think you know an apple here could you know, oh, part of me says that apple wouldn't back down but then we've seen them do things in china that you could argue go counterintuitive to that statement but that being said, they could decide to, you know, this isn't China. This is a Western country where they may decide to flex their power as a company. You know, their, their power as a, a market force, really, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm not, to me, this one, given the changes with the online safety bill as well, um, you know, and how that wants to come in, because the online safety bill effectively could weaken security as well isn't it because that one uh is well is potentially that you know is about removing encryption across the board isn't it you know yeah, no, putting the back door in but only for the good guys yeah that's what i'm saying you know and again that's the also say the same people there whatsapp signal uh, yeah. was it element uh, i think actually 68 uk affiliated security and privacy researchers as well wrote an open letter to the government saying that this draft legislation poses a stark risk to security technologies and it's you know, again, it's counterintuitive. You know, end-to-end -end encryption there is a critical capability. Unless you've got strong end-to-end -end encryption, Apple themselves said that you know it puts everybody at risk in the same yeah. piece. And they won't weaken the for one country. No, exactly the same argument. You know, so both of these, both these legislation here, uh, is ridiculous. Backdoors are not safe for anybody, are they? You know, they're not. They're not. No. Um. Yeah, I mean, it's a funny one, because we, as we go on to our, our next uh, piece, it's kind of in stark contrast. Isn't it? So we've got the ICO, who's the UK's data protection watchdog, and they're not happy that the UK is going to be left out of Meta's plans to offer Europe, you know, Europeans a choice to tonight's tracking for ad targeting kind of business. Oh, no. uh, and it's just the statement here after just talking about this story just winds me up. So they said, look, as digital regulator, we pay close attention to how companies operate internationally and how people's rights are respected. I know we're aware of Meta's plans to seek consent from users for behavioural advertising in the EU to the exclusion of the UK. You know, this follows related findings by the Court of Justice in, in the EU, the Irish Data Protection Commission, the Norwegian Data Protection Authority, which we talked about the other week. Uh, and we're assessing what this means for information rights of the people in the UK, considering the appropriate response. So what information rights? You know, if this IPA goes through this updates and the online safety bill, we have no information rights. It's all fair game. So. Yeah. 
I think it's just a bit of a cheek from the UK government from the ICO to then put this out after what they're trying to do to the UK public. Well, again, it's just... It's like everything they seem to do at the moment. You know, with the ICO, the CMA, it just seems so backwards at the moment in the UK. I mean, it's everything post-Brexit just seems to be complete and utter madness. Yeah. Uh, it is. And I don't think it's, you know, that, okay, this is the tech rant, you know, and it says here's this week's rant. That's a good point. Everything we seem to be doing doesn't seem to be in the favor of the UK citizen. It seems to be more at the detriment of us, doesn't it? You know, we're looking at, at, you like say, you look at other countries, you look at Europe, you look at the US, you know, they are taking a more pragmatic approach to protecting the consumer from things like, you know, meta, you know, use meta as a key example here, really, isn't it? You know, Um, yet we, uh, we're like, yeah, no, never mind. You know. Yeah, and we're annoyed that we've left the EU and now we don't get what the EU gets. Yeah, so we're... Sorry, uh, that's because we left the EU, believe it or not. Well, this is the other thing, though, that don't forget that the UK's data protection law is still based on GDPR. GDPR, it is, yeah. Um, but there is plans so to now, water that that's down. That's changing. It's yeah, but it's also... More willy. Yeah, they're gonna say exactly, they're going to water it down because, uh, you know, we don't need that anymore. You know. <laughs> So, so why would Meta comply? I need to be able to then not have to comply later once we water it down. Well, no, because that's it. They'll take out the they'll take out the clause there that sits there. So you're right. You know, so GDPR covers everybody in the EU, gives them protection, allows you know to have um, enforcement on companies like Meta, as we talked about last week. You know, particularly if you look at Norway, wasn't it banning those uh, behavioural ads? Yeah. Um, you know, they, we've got other issues going on there. Yeah, but here. If you sit in the UK, it's, uh, oh, well, never mind. You, you know, that doesn't apply to you. So uh, we're going to take everything we can from you data-wise, isn't it, really? <laughs> Rightly so, I think. Uh, oh, our, own, our own stupidity. Oh, possibly so, yes. Possibly so. And interesting, though, but the problem is, is that Meta has moved its UK headquarters, hasn't it? Um, or, sorry, has moved the headquarters that impact UK users from Ireland to the US. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so if you're so very cleverly if you are you know using it in europe then obviously the the, that the headquarter for that information or is the data i guess was it data uh owner um is in ireland so it regulates itself using gdpr and all the other rules that come out of the european union but now uh the uk doesn't fall into that anymore because they go through another part of the business very clever move in their point on yeah. that. Actually, yeah. you know, it, it's it's a very smart move, a very shrewd move, I might add, but very good point. Um, Meta are playing the game here, and they are going to get away with it. To be honest with you, yeah. And we will not be getting that free choice to say no to ad tracking unless you are living in the European Union. You know, yeah. there you go. Yeah. So, so, sorry, small rant over, rant over. So to take a different turn then, uh, we announced last week uh, that uh, the famous, um, I, I don't you like the word hacker, but I guess that's how he kind of referred to himself, wasn't it, sometimes? Yeah. Kevin McMickling died at the age of 59. Um, Kevin was famous for being, I think, more than just a hacker, wasn't he? He was one of the original true social engineers uh, yeah. of the day. Um, I mean, an t- incredibly talented man. Uh, you know, famed for, uh, you know, a lot of computer, we use the word hacking because it fits here, you know, hacking in the 1990s. Um, and he also spent some time in uh, prison as well, following a two-year yeah. uh, manhunt during the, during the late 90s, wasn't it, as well? Um, and, you know, and when you look at his life, 
it, it does read like a story, you know. Um, it, he grew up in California. Uh, he was, you know, bit of got into a lot of mischief in his early age. Apparently, he had a big love for magic. I didn't know that. Uh, he was a big fan of magic. Okay. Um, but he got, you know, in the early 90s, he, you know, kind of found notoriety because, you know, for breaking into government early websites, uh, particularly other corporate networks, particularly Pacific Bell, so telecommunications, and, you know, was uh, allegedly stole corporate uh, credit card information and data as well, and involved, you know, kind of working his way across the uh, US through their different um, uh, telecommunications companies as well. And he got the tag, the most wanted computer hacker in the world by the FBI, who were trying to... And then he eventually was arrested in 1995, uh, where he uh, pled guilty to to those uh, charges as well, wasn't it? Um, yeah. And it was, you know, during you know in his uh, in his memoir, which is called Ghosts in the Wires, uh, which was published in 2011, um, he denied using any of that skill of time to to I guess steal that information or use it for financial gain. Um, yeah. For him, it was all about the challenge, wasn't it? I think, according to him, yeah. at least in his words, yeah. um, it was about the challenge. And one of the things, you know, when he was in prison. Um, he was put in solitary confinement because uh, it was uh, alleged that um, by the investigators that were uh, with him that he could whistle nuclear launch codes, wasn't it? On uh, you know, on um, on a phone, um, really? Which you know, which <laughs> uh, which is a bit of a a bit of a joke, really, wasn't it? Uh, to do that, I mean, he started off at the age of twelve. Apparently, he worked out how to get free bus rides using the punch card uh, and blank tickets that he found in a bin you know <laughs> he's you know these smart guys you know he and he, he had a he had that skill of social engineering to to get what he wanted out of people um and that was about it really it was about imp- it was about impersonation over the phone it was about getting convincing people to do what you want isn't it which is a lot of yeah. what we see today isn't it it is yeah, you know? yeah. Uh, i'm it's calling from the it department like yeah i'm calling from the it department your we, we've seen your password is is, is incorrect um Could we need to change what it is <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> you know confirm, it's right and that's it, you know, and that's it, you know, he, he, um, he kind of reinvented himself, um, in, you know, in the early 2000s as a, as a white hat or ethical hacker, uh, and, you know, and, and kind of, I guess, became a different person. He did a lot of public speaking. He does a little lot of writing, you know, and helped, um, he founded his own security consulting company, uh, which yep. did a lot of advisement for, you know, large organizations, um, and I think it was in 2011, he became the part owner and chief hacking officer was it, of No Before, who were yeah. um, a fishing awareness organization. They are, yeah. Um, and, yeah, pretty good at, yeah. yeah, pretty good at what they do. Um, and, you know, I think for him, it was about getting the message out about what hacking was about. And, you know, with all this, I guess, aura and story of Kevin, the real Kevin was a very closely guarded secret, you know, that only really came out after his death, you know, because there was a lot of people who I think, you know, myself included, who grew grew up in the late 90s hearing about his exploits. You know, he was kind of a mythical hero, if you will, you know, that kind of, you know, wow, yeah. mythical person, along with the people like Space Rogue and, and Mudge and all those guys in the loft and the cult, the, you know, Dead Cow. They were kind of, you know, these mythical people that I kind of were like, wow, you know, doing amazing stuff, reading about what they did. Um, never thought I'd kind of ever meet any of them. No. Um, but, you know, I did get to meet um, Kevin uh, at a book signing in 2017 in Las, uh, Las, Las Vegas, in San Francisco, excuse me, at the RSA Security Conference, where um, I got a signed copy of his book and got to meet him. And I've got one of his famous uh, business cards with the lock picks on as well. <laughs> um, nice. So, you know, it was, you know, kind of, it was weird. Only a couple of minutes. Uh, 
But it was that opportunity to kind of, you know, see a hero in real life, oh, yeah. which is sometimes there. And again, with some of the guys like Space Rogue, you know, who I, uh, uh, he ended up working at IBM. And I, again, uh, met him by chance, only briefly kind of, you know, nothing to conversation, but say hello whilst working in IBM. Again, it kind of, you, how weird the world works, isn't it, you know, in that <laughs> realm. Um, but, you know, Kevin is a, you know, some of the stories that came out after his death from people who knew him well, you know, painted a very different picture of a, a man who was, very very loyal to his friends uh very supportive of helping get them you know the credit they deserved in the yeah. industry uh, and getting skills taught them so a lot of those stories came out as well um and kevin you know uh he um he survived by his wife uh kimberly uh who um i believe according to reports got married to last year uh and it was announced uh with during his death announcement that she was pregnant um with their first child yeah, as well very sad to hear that. Um, and again, you know, he was only 59 and this was, uh, was it pancreatic cancer? It was, yeah. Um, which, you know, which is terrible disease, isn't it? And I think he was ill, well, apparently had a, a very valent fight over 14 months uh, to try and uh, get, you know, get ahead of it, but it didn't go there. But, uh, you know, it is, it is a sad, you know, and I kind of, for people like us, I think it's, when you, you know, you hear people like that, you know, who are, as I say, people we kind of, you know, knew about because we were yep. getting into the industry, growing up and skills, it kind of, you know, I guess brings it home, doesn't it, about how short life really is um, yep. and, and uh, where to go from here. And I guess, you know, teaching one of the things I've kind of you know, wanted to do and is, is giving back. And I think giving back and trying to translate some of those skills that we've been experienced, we've got to other people, you know, whether that's schools, whether that's other organizations is something I'm kind of really keen to do these days because, you know, not to kind of, you know, bang the drum, but, you know, cybersecurity is such a big thing now. Uh, you know, when I remember going into computing, I don't really remember ever being called cybersecurity. There was, there was security, <laughs> no, wasn't no, there? Nothing like that, was there? There was security, wasn't there? You know, and you heard about hackers. Was and, there security? You know, I mean, well, it wasn't you know, much. <laughs> yeah, no, but there was always the security. I remember security teams, you know, that kind of stuff. And, yeah. uh, you know, in, when I first got into being an IT admin, you know, security was part of your job. But in some of the bigger organizations I then started working with, there was a small security team, you know, oh, yeah. for locking stuff down. But yeah, it wasn't how it is today, you know, where we have these large scale security operations. Cybersecurity is multi-billion dollar business throughout the world, isn't it? And, you know, phishing uh, is still the number one threat. <laughs> <laughs> it's still the you know, first. It's still the there. Yeah. And I think... I think, you know, uh, you know, one thing we see today is that, you know, you look at Kevin, uh, you know, if you look at the Kevin, that you know, the, the obituaries that we've written about him, the man that, you know, that he is today is, you know, one of the leading security experts, uh, you know, and you go back to 1995 when he was arrested. I don't think anybody would have agreed or believed that that's what he would have become. No, um, no. But people change. And I think that's, you know, the key message to this story, isn't it, that people learn, people change and you know, you look at people like Marcus Hutchins, you know, who helped stop the WannaCry thing, you know, uh, lauded as a hero, rightly so. Yep. But then obviously it came out, uh, you know, when he got arrested in America. Quite as shiny, was he? <laughs> no, but he but he himself, again, you know, yeah. is a million miles away from those. Where he was. Oh, massively. Uh, uh, well, I was, yeah, I'd say those those activities of a of a teenager, I think, would be fair for him. Yeah, it? yeah. We all kind of make mistakes as a teenager, don't we? It's just uh, some of us make larger mistakes <laughs> than, than others. We or, do. Or more prominent mistakes that get you in a lot more trouble. But, you know, yeah, so, you know, he's completely changed his life around uh, and, and made good out of it. So, you know, start with not necessarily great 
intentions uh, and been in that murkier world. Uh, and yeah, as they moved on and, you know, made a change. I know he can't leave the US though, can he? That's why he's over there. Oh, Marcus. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. yeah Marcus. Yeah. Marcus definitely can't. Yeah. He like, you're yeah, right. Like, like, him. yeah, he definitely he's changed. Trapped right there now. <laughs> he's trapped there. Yeah. We're, that's a whole different story, but no, I think, you know, you're right. People change and, you know, Kevin, you know, Kevin particularly grew up in a world where, uh, you know, the hacking and that kind of stuff and accessing things were a little bit different to how we have now. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, we live in a very much, uh, much more tightly controlled world. But yeah, his passing is very sad. Um, but hopefully, you know, his story and, uh, you know, the tales of legend will continue yeah. to go on. But, you know, definitely, again, very sad passing. And, uh, you know, obviously our condolences to his widow uh, and uh, unborn child as such. But yeah, yeah Kevin Mnitnik, age 59, end of this year. Uh. Right. Well, let's talk about something slightly different then. Let's talk about Tesla again. So we've mentioned the other week about Tesla um, and yeah. they were being investigated by, the, what's it, the NHTSA, uh, yeah. the National Highways Transport Safety Authority. Traffic the Safety right Administration, yeah. Administration. They're all administrations, aren't they? They are, um, yeah. So they, uh, they, wrote, uh, they wrote to them on the 19th of, uh, no, the 3rd of July, wasn't it? Uh, asking for further information. And oh, they needed that. They did it last year in august and got nowhere <laughs> yeah so they wanted and was it by the 19th of july they yep. wanted uh information didn't they on uh, on the autopilot about the autopilot what firmware version when it was used when it was activated that kind of stuff and you know they gave them say to the 19th of july uh to hand this information over or for, kind of face heavy fines um, well unsurprisingly <laughs> unsurprisingly um no comment from tesla no data handed over as far as we're aware um so yeah i mean those those fines were hefty if they you know the ns nhtsa will <laughs> them well will will enact it because they were saying what around twenty six thousand dollars per violation per day now they wanted data on what eight hundred and fifty odd thousand vehicles around brightly somewhere around there over eight hundred thousand vehicles so is that eight hundred thousand times twenty six thousand per day well <laughs> I don't know. I tried to wonder that as well, because that's a lot of money, isn't it? It um, is, but they, they have a cap of 131 million. So they'll top that up in a couple of days, won't they? And then there'll be no, no larger fines. So we can say there's a fine of $131 million at least. Potentially, potentially, yeah. Potentially, I think yeah. Uh, that is uh, that is definitely something, uh, you know, they want to sort out. I don't know, you know, given, <laughs> I mean, we, we said we'd come back with an update on this, and I'm not surprised that uh, <laughs> Tesla haven't delivered anything here. Yeah. Uh, you know, there isn't, you know, there's, there isn't much happening here. I didn't. I, I swear, I remember the day that the driver in that fatal crash. You remember the one they had with the the driver, the autopilot one that was, yep. sorry, um, not autopilot. The one that they had the un unmanned, if you will. Um, yeah. Yes, you remember there was a car crash, wasn't there? Yes. Um, I think that driver's pled guilty, haven't they, in that one? Oh, okay. I believe they. Yeah. But Musk, I guess Musk probably feels that this is an attack on him by the government, isn't it? You know. Um, I suspect, you know, for him, this is just uh, he'll keep stalling. Everything's an attack on more. him, though, because he doesn't like it. Yeah, because they'll just turn it around. They'll say that they're being uh, unfairly penalised by the the administration, or this is a you know nobody else is being targeted. Uh, this is you know uh, I don't know we're innovators and you can't you can't cope with that. Or something no one else is making claims of full self driving cars and has been for the last eight years, and uh, yeah, just ignores the rules completely. No, it's just a classic, you know, rule, one rule for one more rule for another with him, isn't it? It is, yeah, yeah. 
yeah no very very crazy but um yeah nothing to be surprised at there then but talking of elon then this is the biggest story oh, i think of this God, week. So, this one right so this since, is all about oh, is it twitter or x sorry it's x now, well say, given don't forget that he's already done one thing this week the last two weeks isn't he? he's managed to convince apple to allow them to have a single character application in the store he has he has when they made their name change from twitter to x now, uh, so this kind of story is all about the compensation. So uh, if you, I know, you, on Twitter, basically, you can have a subscription, can't you, where people pay you money yeah. each month to get early access to tweets or special tweets that no one else sees. Uh, is tweets the right word now? Uh, I'm going to call them tweets. I heard they were posts, but yeah, go on, yeah. All right, so uh, and let's see, Musk released, announced some changes to the plans about how they will actually compensate the, you know, these creators. Now, the original plan was that X would keep none, you'd get, you'd get 100% of the subscription for the first 12 months, and then X would have a 10% cut out of the subscription money you make. But he obviously he announced that uh, you'll basically keep all the money forever until your payouts exceed $100,000, and then they'll take that 10%. Okay, so that's fair enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then he dumped this extra, this other tweet. Um, and I kind of think it really shows how far Musk is maybe removed from reality. Uh, so he, he wanted to say, look, you know, another jibe at Apple for taking 30% of the cut if you're on iOS and you do an in-app purchase. Um, but he will personally speak to at Tim Cook, and see if that can be adjusted to just 30% of what X keeps in order to maximize what creators receive. So he wants Apple to <laughs> not take the first $100,000 per creator and only after that. But how's Apple going to keep track of that? Because it's all going to Twitter. Plus, they're never going to do mean, that anyway. <laughs> they're not going to make that exception. He's never going to make that exception. And did... <laughs> I mean, it, would, it, would, it would require Twitter, Musk, X, whatever, to actually send data back to Apple. I mean, they haven't done it for, you know, a legal requirement by the government. Why would they do it for Apple? Exactly. And clearly, uh, Musk is so removed from reality that he's not clearly been watching the Epic case or anything along, anything along those lines about the whole row as well in South Korea and other countries around the whole point of why, you know, developers have been paying what they are or the yeah. Apple tax. It just seems to me that you're right. He is absolutely removed from reality. Why would they do it for X and not anybody else? That's my, you know, the yeah, question there here. There are apps that make a lot more money than Twitter ever will do via the App Store. They don't get a, a break. No, they do not. They, and that's the thing. And I think they'll be watching this very closely to be asking the same question of like, well, hang on a minute. If X gets it, why don't we? Yeah, no, that's, that's just you know, not going to happen. They're not going to make that like, one exception. It, I don't know why, but when I said that, that sounded like some kind of um, rap by, I don't know, like DMX or something, or, or I don't know, one of those. <laughs> like, X gets it. <laughs> it does sound like some kind of weird American hip-hop album, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just, it just, he just is on another planet, that man. No other way of looking at it. No other way. Um, I'm surprised, though, that they managed to get the exception for the single digit or single character app installed. Yeah. yeah. It's a it's an odd one. I mean, I suppose there are companies with single. Well, there is. There's X, but there are companies with single letter names. Maybe there's not many yeah. of them. Surely, I thought though that the, yeah, but the the requirement was a three digit. Oh, was it two um, or three? Something like that, wasn't I it? Th yeah. I think it was three from what I read somewhere. It was three. Um, but you know that doesn't apply to doesn't apply to our good man Musk, does it? So, uh, but I suppose that that's an that's an easy change that 
you know, other people could ask for if they had a company or an app, just one letter, then maybe they, they could get that done. It's a very different from uh, the money side. <laughs> oh, it is, isn't it? I mean, on a slightly different note as well, talking of uh, signing up for um, uh, Twitter Blue, sorry. Apparently now, now you can also hide uh, your verification as well, can't you? I'll hide the fact that you've paid for the verification, yeah? Well, you can, can't you? So you can hide the verification. Yeah. Um, and so you can be a paid subscriber that you've now got the blue check mark, but you can now hide the blue check mark, can't you, that yes. you are a subscriber. I'm not entirely sure why you want to do that. Um, maybe you want the features, but you're shamed by the fact that you paid for it. I'm shamed by. I'm shamed that I've shamed myself. <laughs> Please hide it. Yeah, I want the ability to have what's it, two hundred forty character tweets, whatever it is, or uh, more. Well, that's going to be a dead giveaway, know. surely. Yeah, like, yeah exactly. the fact that you paid for it because you could do those longer tweets. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I can edit my tweets and I can do that, but I can't do anything else. Yeah, that, yeah, exactly. Absolute weirdness on that one. No. Uh, but absolutely crazy, yeah, indeed. Yeah. But yes, so Twitter, conti- sorry, X continues to be in freefall. Right then, <laughs> so I, apparently then the FBI have been trying to investigate who has been using the NSO spyware uh, because it's been illegal to use it or uh, and import it. I mean, how yep. do you import software? I'm not sure. Um, into the US since November 21. Um, but apparently the FBI uncovered that a US contractor had been using it this year, haven't they? Um, yeah, well, it's New York turned out Times, to be somewhere quite close to home. <laughs> yeah, New York Times. They were they did an investigation back in you know back in April, found that a U.S. company, Reva Networks, had illegally purchased news NSA spyware on behalf of a then unknown U.S. government client. Uh, so the yeah, the FBI was tasked by the White House uh, with finding out the identity of this end client. Drum roll, please. Um, yeah, that end client was the FBI themselves. It turns out. <laughs> and it, huh. it, it gets better, doesn't it? So it, so it turns out, as you said, the FBI covered uh, their investigation that it was themselves who were using it. <laughs> and apparently, according to the FBI, uh, they had been using the tool unwittingly and that Reva Networks had misled them. Um, but so apparently they said that Reva had been used the spying tool on its behalf and yep. the FBI director, Christopher Ray terminated the contract Called uh, official. So apparently what this comes back was that the FBI had given Reva several... Um, was it Mexican phone numbers yeah. that would be used by alleged drug dealers and fugitives, and they wanted them to locate those devices, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Um, and according to the FBI, they <laughs> this is brilliant. They believed that Reva was using an in-house tool, but apparently Reva wasn't. Reva was using uh, Landmark, uh, which is one of them. Yeah, so Landmark spyware, yeah. <laughs> but now, I mean, there are questions now being asked by the White House whether it was just the FBI. Uh, because Reva Network also does business with the Department of Defense, the Drug and the DEA, and the Air Force Research Laboratory. <laughs> is this a classic case of one of these companies where they're like, "Yeah, we've got we've got a great tool we can use. That's fine, isn't it? Yeah, we can do this." You know, they've they've what's it? gone to the RFP or whatever. They've filled out all the things. You know, the FBI's gone. Yep, perfect. We can. You're a great company. You tick all the boxes. We're going to award you the contract. Thank you very much. And and <laughs> Reva are like. Oh crap! We've got to do. What do we do? Quick, buy something. (laughs) Buy something, you know. Like, so you know. So it turns out that Reva um, are very apparently a very secretive federal contractor, Um, and they finalised a deal with NSO to acquire the landmark tool. So landmark is a geolocation tool, yeah, and it helps triangulate 
you know, particular mobile users. Um, they'd all, so this last what Lama does. There's another tool called Phantom, um, which is apparently, again, um, Reva had worked with the FBI in the past using Phantom, and apparently Phantom's tagline is it can ta- hack any phone. Okay, so what's this like Pegasus on steroids, is it? Apparently, yeah. Um, and apparently prior to the ban on uh, NSO, um, the uh, the FBI had been considering using Phantom, um, and I say this in terms of the allegedness in terms of the press stories, for domestic spying. But apparently um, and that was that was a report by the, uh, I think it was the, the New York Times yeah. um, around that. Um, the FBI said it was just doing counterintelligence, uh but you know apparently both in both deals this is interesting both deals the fbi had a cover name for reva called cleopatra holdings and even reva's ceo uh went by the name william malone his real name was robin gamble <laughs> i mean God, it sounds like stuff, out, stuff isn't it yeah. well, it sounds like more of a cia deal than an fbi yeah. deal wasn't it yeah. um i mean to me and again just reading what i see to me I find it hard to believe that the FBI did not know what was going on. Of course. To me, you know, to say that the, you know, that uh, Reva misled the bureau um, in saying that they were using an in-house tool just seems a bit weak, given that the FBI had been working with Reva clearly for some time. They, you know, doing a lot of business with them. It just, it, it all just seems a bit, just a bit poor, doesn't it? You know, kind of also goes to show that the FBI is so large and there's so many different divisions or arms of it, or whatever you want to call it, that don't know what the other arm is doing. You know, so either you know, when, when asked by the White House to find out who it was, the guy either knew it was them or had no clue what was going on. It does, and I think it's smart answer to some of the other questions that kind of were posed were like, you know, if the FBI didn't know what they were doing with that, why is it they were so unaware, and also questions need to be asked that why would Reva as a contractor just lie through their teeth and mislead the government if they've done work from before and then one of the other questions I think was was question was like is this normal do the FBI uh just basically hand out contracts for surveillance work to you know Tough what are civilians yeah you know oh, yeah um so yeah so very very dodgy on that point but yeah so the FBI has been using NSO spyware uh, allegedly <laughs> Allegedly, it doesn't look yeah. good, does it? <laughs> it doesn't look good, no, not at all. Well then, that leads us nicely for this week. A little shorter episode this week, but that leads us nicely and up to the... Yes, the Tetra Room Wheel for this week. Yeah. So, we've got one rumour this week, and it's about the watch then. It is. Uh, yeah, so our, our friend Shrimp Apple Pro has Brilliant, been mate. leaking information about the new Watch Series 9 and uh, the Watch Ultra 2. So, it starts off with, uh, we're apparently getting an actual real brand new processor not just a rehash of the one that's in the six or the same i'll come back to that in a minute but yeah go on yeah so we're apparently getting a new processor but the the bigger revelations we're actually going to get some new colors so the watch nine we're currently getting what midnight starlight silver and product red don't we so well literally we're going to get a pink version um along with you know the standard stainless steel colors as well so yeah it'll be nice to see uh a different shade of watch going on i i'm if this is true i think this like i said i said to you this in the kind of we talk about the preamble i think this will sell like hotcake i think it'll fly off the shelves it is a brand new color it's fresh you know, you can see um, a lot of people who perhaps like pastel shades, you know, yep. that kind of colors, uh, you know, buying this. And I think, you know, it's about time. 
that there was any yeah. color. And I could, and I'd almost argue, to be absolutely honest with you, off on a slight tangent, that they need to bring in some fresh colors on the phone as well. I am fed up of this particular lineup. What effectively is gray, uh, you know, um, silver, not even white. You know what I mean? Yeah. Red. The only one that stands out these days is red. Or the slightly purple, the green. No, give us some bold colours for God's sake. You know, five C kind of bold. Yeah, bold colours, and I think it's with the watch as well. You know, people want colour. People aren't all bland and beige. You know, yeah. Pink would be nice. I'd be up for that. You know, well, you say that though, but the other rumour is that we're going to get a, a watch ultra in a black titanium. Take my money. I'll buy it now. Buy you're saying, now. Oh, that's a bit bland, but I'll buy it. <laughs> well, yeah, but I think, you know, that would be cool. You know, well, especially with the orange button. The orange button will stand out and the orange strap on the black titanium, I think, would look quite nice. Yeah, and as long as, long as it's a solid, a real solid black, I mean, no, none not, of this, you uh, know, Darth Vader, midnight. Shiny. Yeah, yeah, it, it needs to be like that. Though, actually, do you remember what, what phone was it? Was it, what was one of the gloss? Was that the 7, 7 Plus that had the glossy? Do you remember the glossy black? It was, it was like Darth Vader helmet kind of shiny black. Yeah, 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 yeah. As long as it's not that, because that, I can see that That chipping. was a fingerprint magnet. Yeah, but a nice, deep no, a deep yep. black, yeah, and like you know, titanium black, as I think they is supposedly rumored. I'd be up for that. Now, going yep. back to that processor, though, um, I have seen some other rumors that are stating that that a processor upgrade probably won't do much for the phone, uh, the watch. I mean, uh, I don't Unless, know. Obviously, they're trying to do the whole new Wizzy interface, aren't they, with the latest software? So, will it help? Yeah, that? but I don't know. The stuff I've read, uh, the stuff I've read about the uh, Watch OS ten. <laughs> on um the ultras is it flies along already some of the people that are running betas now i know yeah. people have mixed experience on a beta so i'm not going to suggest that one person uh you know one person is right one person's wrong but i think you know the cons- consensus is it, it works very well on the ultra now that being said um that being said if you're running an older phone yeah you probably will see some issues won't they yeah, yeah. I mean, I've still watched Series 4. I can't remember if it supports that or not. I think it's the last one I get. Do I get it or do I not get it with the Watch Series 4? I can't remember now. I don't know if it will. It, will it, I don't know if it will support it, will it? I'm not sure if it will. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Watch OS 10. Uh, series 4. That's how I create Google. Uh, I'm not sure. Oh, it does, apparently. Yeah, Watch Series 4 is the lowest it will go. Yeah. Okay, I will yeah, get I it. I'm, might do. I'm not sure how it's I would I would that. argue how good that I would argue you know what I just said about processors. I argue now um that uh that it's probably not gonna help you much. But yeah, probably I think if you've got one of the you know like you know the series eight or an ultra a current one, well, you probably won't have a that's all the same processor. <laughs> oh yeah, fair point. Fair point. There is the same processor, um, but I don't know. I'm I, I'm keen on it. I, I'm not going to make a mistake. I did last time. I'm going for an ultra this time. And if they don't bring out a new ultra, ultra but you took it back. Yes, I just said I'm oh, not going to make mistake. That mistake you yeah. took it back. Yeah, yeah. I should have kept it. I should have kept it. I'm aware yeah. of that now. I should have kept it. But yes, so new <laughs> well, options will come uh, yeah, in. I mean, potentially, I mean, you know, along with the usual shades, shim, uh, shrimp apple pro. Uh, shrimp apple the, pro was we're going to be getting an iPad Mini Seven apparently. Really? Yeah. I mean, obviously, we, when was the last update? Back in 2021 when we got the new squared off design, didn't we? Yeah. Ah, uh, But that was just, I don't think they changed the processor. I mean, they just changed the outer shell, didn't they? But apparently it's, it's due for a revamp. It has been well, two odd years. I mean, it was, a, I mean, don't get me wrong. 
it was a long time before that got updated last time though wasn't it it was, so, it was huge maybe we'll see an m1 in it i mean no, that's probably pushing it uh pushing, i mean to be honest with you i don't think the mini has a place anymore in the lineup given where it sits now uh yeah but you know i'm sure somebody's buying it you know well yeah it must be if they're, if they're considering doing another version of it then somebody must be buying it must be yeah gotta be but yeah i'm i'm more i think i'm personally speaking i'm slightly happier with potentially the colors on the watch <laughs> yeah yeah it definitely good to see some newer colors and yeah i'd love to see what this uh metallic black uh or titanium black i should say uh ultra 2 looks like yeah uh, there is other i mean there was a the, the rumor also alongside that wasn't it that the watch series 9 will have a different packaging this year as well because that's the one thing i will say with the watch packaging is mm. there's a lot of boxes isn't there in the way it folds in on itself and yes. you know sliding out the the different boxes the watch, yeah the, you know, the strap and the watch the straps the... all yeah it, it just seems overkill i always think that with them it's it's a spectacle <laughs> it is a spectacle but i think they could be more environmentally friendly given that they've trimmed down the the iphone boxes i think they could do the same now with the watch and still yeah, have yeah. a nice experience that's my opinion anyway yeah well we will see come september we will indeed so on that point then it's probably a good place for us to bring it to a close this week we'll be back next week for episode 141 uh and then we will be having a week's break um after 141 and we'll be back in a fortnight after that for 142 um as carl and i will be traveling the us um for work purposes um and therefore we will be unable to get uh in, get get close to a microphone and to do that but we will be having make sure we get the latest line of all the stories and the latest updates from some of the big tech events that are happening in the us that week as well so as always we are still on x <laughs> twitter <laughs> and you can find us at weekly tech Rant. and of course uh all of our show notes are published at techrant.online and of course wherever you get your podcast from please give us a like share um tell your friends about us um that's the only way to kind of get the message out there. Uh, so thanks for listening. I've been Jay. I've been Carl. Have a good evening all.